And that little song forms part of my prayer time each day. Mold me, shape me, bend me, break me, use me. Use me, dear Lord, in the work and in the ministry. If you've got a scripture, please, uh, your scriptures, please turn with me uh, to Acts chapter 2. And of course, you'll be very familiar with these words. You can probably quote them um, uh, out of memory now because we have been speaking on them for a considerable length of time. Just want to say that next week will be the final message. Sorry, not next week. The following week will be the final message in this particular section, Look, really looking uh, from verse 4 down to verse 13. And then we shall move on into, sermon, uh, into Peter's actual sermon, uh, which I'm really looking forward to because it talks about uh, all the steps of coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It talks about uh, why baptism is important. It talks about why church membership is important. And uh, these are things that we see are, uh, are, are causing so many people so many problems today. And churches are becoming weak and ineffective because we've lost sight of some of these important matters and issues. But we read, if we may, just from verse 4. I'm going to miss out all the names for the sake of time uh, there in the middle part of our reading and then start uh, and finish up down to around verse 13. But it says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So there's the setting. It's all of Him. They haven't done anything. It's all of him. The Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused. Because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled. Don't you like those words? Amazed and marveled. Okay, and we're going to talk about those in two weeks' time. Oh, by the way, uh, next week we're looking forward to a baby dedication, and I always love those services because I get to hold the baby for a brief moment. And uh, so please come along and support uh, Aggie and John and Chloe and, um, and Emily and Alex as they come forward uh, for that service. So we will be talking about families, uh, how to get your children to listen to the gospel, how to get them to come to church. That's always a challenge for some of us. But uh, then we come on to this. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? And then I'm going to go to the uh, uh, end of the section here, verse 12. Uh, In fact, we'll just read the last uh, half of verse 11. We hear them speaking in our own tongues, The wonderful works of God. So we know everything about what's going on here. We even know what is being spoken of. And so they were all amazed and perplexed. Now there's another interesting word here in the scriptures. Perplexed. Don't you meet people that are perplexed sometimes when you talk to them about the gospel? When you're out on door-to-door work, Randy, I'm sure you meet some uh, some amazed faces and perplexed uh, 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 looks on people. Saying to one another, whatever could this mean? And others mocking said they've had new wine. Do you know what they were doing when they were mocking? They were criticizing. They were rejecting the words that were spoken of the wonders of God. Do you get people who reject when you're out and about? Have you had a door slammed in your face? Is that a rejection? Pretty clear, isn't it? So what a wonderful section of scripture we have. And uh, we need to, uh, we can't rush this because it is so important. 
Now you'll remember that two weeks ago we began to look at the gift of tongues. As we've said, uh, periodically tongues can cause all sorts of problems in churches, and yet increasingly I've discovered there are some churches that don't seem to have even heard of the gift of tongues and, uh, and what is uh, being spoken of here. In fact, it's chapters like this that so often... Uh, the pastor will skip over because we don't want to get involved. But as you know, here in our fellowship, we say it so often is the fact that we believe in uh, consecutive Bible teaching, which means the pastor doesn't have the opportunity to miss sections out. And I think it's a good thing to do. And as you look at church history, you discover that churches that have employed this particular way of uh, approaching the scriptures, there has been tremendous blessing and people have appreciated so much. Think of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. took five years just doing one chapter of John's Gospel or something. You know, this is the sort of thing that we begin to see, but you discover that it is an important way of doing it. So Acts chapter 2, we've read uh, a section of it. We've got a lot more uh, to be going through, but this section uh, that we've been studying for the last few weeks. And we want to expound this section of Scripture and to understand its meaning and significance, of course, in the setting that took place here. Because we do have to remember that it's important that we don't just helicopter about, take things out of context, or fail to understand what's going on. This is the birth of the church. This had to be supernatural. And I made mention of that. And in two weeks' time, we're going to talk about the fact, and I know some of you might be struggling to understand this, we're supernatural people. Now, you might think the world doesn't understand that. Well, they don't. But do you understand this? Do you understand and appreciate the fact that we are not of this world anymore? When you've been born again, when you have been born of the Spirit, your citizenship is, well, sort of cancelled here, and it's shifted into heaven. Because now you understand the fact that our eternity doesn't begin when we die. It begins from the moment we're born again. The moment we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's where your eternity begins. And so we're assured of that eternity. And it's ours and we give thanks and we praise God for what that means to us. And it is indeed a great uh, relief for us to understand. But it gives us too uh, the urgency to be involved in the proclamation of the gospel. So two weeks ago we considered its historical setting. Uh, that the gift of tongues was given here, and we looked at the context in which the gift was given there in Acts 2. And we closed, if you remember, two weeks ago by understanding that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was given here at Pentecost brought unity. Uh, We've discovered as we considered the fact that the whole of the Scriptures, the narrative of the Scriptures, could be based by looking at just two cities, the city of Babylon and the city of Jerusalem. And we saw that in Babylon, there was great division that was brought. All the people had it planned. We're going to be like God. We're going to reach heaven. We're going to make a statement. And God looks down and he sees what's going on and he sends Jesus. And then their languages are confused. And we discover that what was brought was confusion. But here, as we begin to see the exciting things that are taking place in Acts chapter 2, the confusion of Babylon is reversed. And suddenly we see people are hearing and are able to hear and to understand in their own tongue. They didn't need to. All of them could have spoken Greek. All of them could have spoken Hebrew. These were Jewish people that had come. They knew exactly what was going on. They could have spoken Aramaic as well. And of course, when Peter stands up and he gives his message, he speaks, I believe, in Aramaic. 
And the people there understood. They understood to the point that they knew what they had done to Jesus. That it was their sin that held him on the cross. And what happened? They were cut to the heart because they realized what had taken place. And so we discover that we do have a very, very exciting, a very strange thing in a sense that's taking place because this gift didn't need to happen except that a statement needed to be made and there was unity that was brought back to people. The extraordinary was shown and it was powerful. God's power was demonstrated clearly. The people could communicate, as I say, in all these other languages anyway, but very uh, clearly we see God at work. So the context of the gift of tongues in Acts 2 was a sign of new unity that God again was giving to the people and that Pentecost, the division of Babel, was reversed. I just want to say that if you uh, missed that message, you'd like to try and catch up with it because it's an important one to be able to see the three messages that we're looking at in this particular uh, section of Scripture, then you can go to our website and you can find it uh, and, uh, and you can listen again. Now this morning we're going to move from considering the context uh, to actually what it was that was spoken. What was the content of the gift of tongues that was given here in Acts 2? And there's a number of things from the Scriptures that we can look at to help us to be able to understand this. What exactly was being spoken in tongues? What was it all about? Now, I say this with the greatest respect, but there are many people who, when they hear tongues today, they will condemn it as just being gibberish. And it doesn't make any sense. I don't know what's going on. And I've told you of the account, and I remember very clearly, of a child of about eight years old uh, going uh, with my father, uh, my parents, in fact, to, to uh, um, um, a, a tribal event that was taking place there, right up in the northern part of Nigeria, uh, amongst the Fulani people. And... Uh, and they were just all dancing around, screaming and shouting. And I remember saying to my father, what are they talking about? And he said, nothing. It's just gibberish. There is no language that is being spoken. There is nothing that is happening. There is no communication. There is division, in fact, between the people because Satan was using the animistic culture and the religion that was taking place, the shedding of blood that was... Uh, being thrown around, and people were just in a frenzy. But that's not what's happened here. The scriptures tell us very clearly, everybody understood in their own tongue. They knew what was being said, what was being spoken. So it's not gibberish. Was it just meaningless noise? No, it wasn't meaningless noise. Was it just different sounds that were unconnected in some way? No, it wasn't. There was substance to what was being said, what was being spoken, what was being understood. And in verse 11, it says that the people stated, we hear them declaring, and it tells us what? The wonders of God in their own tongue. They were declaring intelligibly the wonders of God. And by the way, and I need to make this statement very, very clearly because there is confusion today. Spirit-inspired proclamation is always about God. Always. It doesn't matter what form the Spirit uses. All Spirit-inspired proclamations are always about God. In the upper room, the discourses that we've spoken of when we were looking into John's Gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ is in that intimate place and he's speaking first to the twelve and then to the eleven. 
And Jesus made it very clear that the Holy Spirit would continue to be the means of Jesus speaking into the hearts and into the lives of the disciples and into the lives of his people. And if we read verses such as John 16 verse 12, and I read this to you, I still have many things, this is Jesus speaking, I have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them all now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. And then if we compare that verse with John 14, verse 26, again Jesus is speaking and he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and wait for it and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. The Holy Spirit reminds us of everything Jesus has said, everything Jesus has promised, everything that Jesus has warned us about. Because he brings to our mind. Now do you see the imperative that we actually come to God's word. That we learn the scriptures. And all of a sudden the scriptures, because the Holy Spirit works in us, brings them to life. And the words quiver on the page in front of us. Because they're breathing. Because they're living. And we've just become so excited. Have you ever read the scriptures and you find it's dry? Nothing going on? In fact you can't remember when you did read the scriptures the last time. And I want to say to you that is a sure sign that you've got some things to put right in your heart and in your life. Because the Holy Spirit will bring to mind the things that Jesus said. The promises that he brought. The challenges that he brings. So when you compare uh, John 16 and John 14, we find some wonderful things that are being declared to us as to what the Holy Spirit speaks to us, the wonders of God. And what we see is the wonderful way in which God has arranged the writing of the New Testament, for example. The Spirit would remind them of all that Jesus taught them. And this gives us the four Gospels. The Spirit would also guide them into all truth. And this resulted in the epistles. And here we have the Scriptures to read and we're able to understand. And he will show you all things to come, refers to the prophetic scriptures, especially the book of Revelation. Because again, the Holy Spirit speaks to us and warns us that we would be ready for what's going on around us. And sadly, so many believers, so many Christians seem oblivious to the fact that Jesus is coming again. He is. He's returning. And we do need to be ready for his return. It's essential that we see that the work of the Spirit of God is never separated from the work of Jesus Christ or the Word of God. John 15, 26, He shall testify of me. This is Jesus. John 16, 14, He shall glorify me, speaking of the Holy Spirit. And I need to remind you that people who claim that the Spirit of God led them to do things contrary to the example of Jesus Christ or the teaching of the Word of God, you're mistaken. It's not the Holy Spirit of God who's led you into that situation. The lady who said to me, I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah. This is here in town, in this high street. 
And I was excited about it. I said, tell me, when did you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? And she said, I haven't. Okay, sharp intake of breath at this particular point. And then she went on to say this, but in a vision, God told me I'm a member of the elect. Hallelujah. <laughs> you see, it's only through faith in Jesus Christ that we're able to come into God's kingdom. It's only through our sin being taken upon him that we're able to come into God's kingdom. I was shocked by uh, a message that uh, uh, somebody in our congregation sent me. Uh, it was, I think, about an eight-minute video of, um, of Pastor Henry Hildebrandt uh, in Elmer. A young woman was giving her testimony, and the young woman spoke of the fact that she felt and believed that Henry was Jesus. And then Henry himself states that he him, himself was, in fact, Jesus, and that you can meet and touch the real Jesus by coming and meeting and touching me. And he went on to explain that he was the experience of knowing Christ. You see, Henry Hildebrandt was going way beyond the mandate that as a pastor he can go to. He calls himself an apostle. But the reality is, is he is behaving in the way of a false Christ. Matthew 24, verse 5. How many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many? And the answer is, there are many people who are prepared to make these statements. And that's why we have to be discerning more than ever. I can only share the gospel with you about the Savior of the world. I can only tell you what a joy it is to know him. I can only explain to you what it is that he has done for you. But I can't save you of your sin. Only he can. And that goes for every single one of you. It is only as you confess your sin to Jesus... And as you repent and turn toward him. And as you recognize all that he has done for you on the cross. And as you see your life being changed. I need to warn you that things are changing so dramatically in our society. Uh, officially, we, many of us here in this church are now the most... Uh, um, um, a group of people who have been uh, discriminated, that's the word I'm looking for, who have been discriminated against. It's official. <laughs> now here we're not to talk about vaccinations and not being vaccinated, but I want to say that things are changing rapidly and there are some lessons that we need to have learnt during the course of the last few years, three years. And sadly, many of us have not learned. And we're discovering that churches have struggled to have congregations because of things that have taken place. 
And yet we need to remember that God is in control. He cares for us. He loves us. And we depend upon him. The hallmark of a false Christ is that they tell you what you want to hear. Not what you need to hear. And this morning I'm telling you what you need to hear. Jesus is the truth. 14, John 14, verse 6. The word is truth, John 17, 17. And the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit of truth. Where the Holy Spirit is at work, there is no option but for there to be truth. And of course, all of us, for all of us, this is true. Now, we want to just move on because I'm conscious that time is moving and uh, we're, we're just going to take the first part of the message this morning and then, as I say, in two weeks' time we'll complete it. So we come back to the day of Pentecost. The speaking of tongues here on this day is what first drew the attention of the people. Because it says that they began to speak in tongues, verse 6. And when they heard the sound, this is the crowd now, when they heard the sound of these 120 people or so who were speaking in, in tongues that they had never learnt, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. So the speaking in tongues drew the attention of the people. And it would do. Because everybody was there. The whole world had gathered. But having drawn the attention of the people, it then, the gift of tongues that was given here, it then directed the attention of the people to God. And this is an important lesson for us to learn this morning. Whatever the spiritual gift that is being poured out into us and through us, it must always bring attention to God. It never brings attention to us as individuals. And if you find yourself having that temptation to give the impression that you're better than somebody else, then there's a problem that is taking place. Because always, 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 when the Holy Spirit works, it's to bring glory to God. It drew the attention of them because they were speaking these tongues and it never learned but the actual tongues themselves point them to God. You see, God works in people. We understand that. The scriptures tell us that. We know that because he works in us. If we're prepared to submit ourselves to him, he works in us. He works through us. The activity of people when God is work, at work in our hearts and lives draws people's attention. And I'm so delighted that people know about Norwich Baptist Church because they notice what we're doing. It's fair to say some of them can't help it when you knock on their door and you start to talk to them and gossip the gospel. What a beautiful term that is. You know, we should never be gossips except when it comes to the gospel. But we've got a message. And the Holy Spirit uses us. And of course, once people's attention has been drawn, if the work is of God, then they will turn their attention to God and not to us. You see, the whole focus of Acts chapter 2 is to turn the attention to God. It's not to turn the attention of the people to the gift of tongues, or indeed to those who are speaking them. 
But notice that as Peter stands up to preach, which is the section that we haven't read, but verse 14, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea, all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. This is the guy who, along with his compatriots, have been barred and locked in an upper room. And now he stands up. And as the song that we sang spoke about, he was bold in his desire to share the gospel. But notice as Peter stands up, he begins by saying what's going on is what has been prophesied. He explains then, and he takes their attention to Christ and then to God. Because it's not chaos that's reigning here. It's clarity. And his conclusion is, therefore God has made this man Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. That's the message that is being proclaimed. You see, whatever the spiritual gift is that you or I have is from God. This is its legitimate purpose. That it draws people's attention to God, not to you. You see, this gift of tongues is not like some sort of firework display. You know, we could, we could try and attract your attention by having an indoor firework display. I'm sure in a tent that would be... A, the, the township would have every reason to say, oh my goodness, you know, you'll, you'll need more than your certificate that the canvas is fire resistant if you start having fireworks in the church, in the tent. But there are churches that do do that because they want to attract a people's attention. But we don't need fireworks to attract people's attention. We need the gospel. We need the word of God. We need to have passion in the way that we confirm it and explain it and speak to others. And my wife went to a church once that had firework display. And uh, she said they were lovely. But it didn't bring her closer to God. You could imagine them standing around, couldn't you? Pop, bang, whiz. But they didn't need that. God intervened. The tongues were to catch their attention in order to turn their attention to God. And friends, we must never forget that spiritual gifts are given for the display of God's power. And here in Acts 2, it also tells us that right from the birth of the church, and this is the point that we're going to close on, the Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit. His work is a missionary work. He didn't come and he didn't keep the 120 or so locked up in the rooms that they were in and said, well, you know, I'm going to talk to you, going to fill you going to minister to you, going to try and encourage you, do these things and all the rest of it. No, 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 that's not what took place. Right from the very moment of the giving of the Holy Spirit, at that uh, time before 9 a.m. on the 25th of May, A.D. 33, the first manifestation is the declaration of the wonders of God to the people who didn't know him. The missionary emphasis of the Holy Spirit is still his primary focus in our lives today. 
and in the world. And friends, it is this understanding that often places us at odds with others. Because the problem is you can't keep us down when the Holy Spirit is at work within our hearts. Because we have enthusiasm, we have desire. We see a world that is in need. We see people that are in need of the gospel. We see family who are struggling. We see friends who are desperate for the direction that only comes from knowing God. It is the Holy Spirit who leads us in evangelism, who leads us in the proclamation of the gospel. So the content of this gift was that it declared the wonders of God. And so we've looked at the context of the gift, and now we've seen the content of the gift. And in two weeks' time, we're going to talk about the consequences of the gift. And we're going to talk about the word amazing, and we're going to talk about the word perplexed, because these are things that are important for us to understand today.